Oh, hello. That's so adorable. I told you I did it! I got it! I mean, TTRPGs are about fun and about collaboration. The, what this all builds, what this is all building towards, is more empathetic connections between people. There you go. Go there in the end. Welcome to Delightful Dungeon Diving, a coffee and tea table podcast dedicated to the wonderful world of tabletop role-playing games. I'm Nick, I use he, him pronouns, and this week I'm going to take y'all on a dungeon dive. A dungeon is what we in the tabletop role-playing game community affectionately call an area that players will adventure in, a place where they might encounter fearsome monsters, intriguing characters, perhaps find some treasure, dodge some traps, and most importantly, write their story. Today, we'll be spelunking into a mysterious cave, which you can feel free and welcome to use in your own games. I would suggest getting out some blank paper and something to doodle with to follow along. Now, the first half, we're going to take it nice and easy, but when we've got everything placed just right, we'll have a walk through the finished region ourselves, and maybe you'll feel the urge to unravel the mysteries of this cave. Now, to begin building our mysterious cave, we are, of course, going to start with the entrance. Now, this could be a place found by uh, removing stones and boulders along a mountainside that lead into a cave. Could be a traditional just cave opening, or could maybe even be found underneath a massive tree. And that would give us an opportunity here to place some tree roots down in the beginning of this cave. In any case, once we get down into the landing area, we can place some carpets of moss, uh, give some hints to the players that there will be some water in this region. In fact, we'll even place in another section, another chamber to come later, we'll place a small little waterfall from an underground source of water. But this first area will make it kind of wide, a, a large entrance to the cave. There are several large boulders uh, standing out of the carpets of moss, and a major feature of this first chamber are hints of fungi, little mushrooms growing into larger caps and kind of hinting that perhaps further down in this cave there will be even greater sources of fungal growth. Now, right off the bat from the entrance of this cave, we're going to place three different distinct paths. Uh, from either side of the entrance of the cave, there will be steps leading up further into another chamber of the cave. Now, the left passage or the right passage will eventually end up in the same place, but each corridor gives us uh, opportunities to place some interesting things. We're going to come back to those passages in just a bit, but let's stick with the third one, which is directly in front of the players following the natural contours of this cave. And let's not forget about the ceiling. Often when we create these dungeons, we take a top-down view of these as we build them. We don't want to forget what's above the players. So having stalactites or stalagmites, because at the moment I can't remember which is which, uh, coming down from the ceiling gives an opportunity to cling any sort of animal life, so something like bats. If we want to, we can introduce perhaps some more dangerous or uh, malicious monsters up in those stalagmites or stalactites. There's one particular monster I'm thinking of, and you've probably thought of it yourself. 
but we're going to save it for just around the bend of this cavern corridor as the players continue to explore. Most likely they've come in with torches or some sort of low light vision and they didn't think to look on either side of the entrance as they come into the cave. And that's great. We want to funnel them down this singular corridor. And as they go, there are puddles of water. The moss grows thicker and thicker as they go in. They're getting a hint that there is a major water feature ahead. In the distance, they can hear falling water, perhaps a small waterfall, as we mentioned before, but not from this region. From this region, as they come around the corner, they're going to find that the passage is now completely submerged in water. Now, it doesn't take up the entire tunnel, of course, it's at their feet, but they can tell that the water here is bubbling up from a deeper underground source. And therefore, in the middle of this tiny lake, there is deeper water. Now, if the players decide to traverse this, instead of turning around, they wanna keep going, and perhaps they're climbing on the walls, perhaps they've affixed a rope to the stalagmites or stalactites up above. However they choose to traverse this body of water, in the deep is where we get an opportunity to play some monsters. Now, if we're playing a game such as Dungeons and Dragons, there's a monster called a roper, which essentially looks like either a stalactite or stalagmite. Now, players might expect to find one of those up on the ceiling or in the stone pillars, uh, formations along the ground, but they're probably not looking for one in the water. So if they're paying attention, they might see the tips of little rock formations poking out of the water. And one of those is our boy. We're gonna place a monster roper, or if you prefer another tabletop role-playing game, any kind of tentacled, hunting, predatory creature here in the water. So as the players are traversing and possibly split up, they get attacked by this creature, and possibly one of them gets roped or leashed down into the water, grappled with, and it makes for a frantic encounter as the players are not only dealing with water and now this creature that has taken one of their party members, they have to be wondering, is there another one out there? Uh, is there something along the walls? Are there any other dangers as we're dealing with this? In any case, if they survive this encounter and continue on, they will see that the corridor bends and the water eventually ends, leading to steps, carved stone steps, rising up to another passage of the cavern. Now, this is their first evidence that this cavern is not entirely natural, that it has been inhabited before, and someone has taken care to carve steps into this stone ground. As they come up into this next chamber, not only on one side are they seeing greater fungal growth, mushrooms that are bioluminescent, they are very large, perhaps they have some odd features to them. They are oddly and strangely beautiful, but as with most things on adventures, they do harbor some danger. We can take these mushrooms and perhaps give them 
an explosive spore quality. Perhaps these spores cause poison or toxicity. Perhaps they cause a psychedelic effect to confuse, befuddle our players. Because to their other direction is another small chamber of the cavern. But this chamber is filled to the brim with bones. And not just animal bones, but the bones of humanoid or other folk, sapient folk-like creatures. Perhaps we'll throw some armor, discarded weapons into these bone piles. This is a great opportunity for encouraging players to scavenge an area even if it appears dangerous and foreboding there are weapon hilts sticking out of the bone piles perhaps there are some magic items and here we can even place a notebook or a journal about whoever came in here before our players and why now the bones themselves are harmless we're going to save that for another chamber. We're going to lull our players into this false sense of security. All right, the bones are creepy. They might be pointing towards some creature that lives in these caverns. Maybe they belong to that roper or tentacled creature from the water. But a player should be asking themselves, why aren't the bones there? How did they get up here onto the dry part of the cavern? We're going to save that question for later. As the players continue, they've come to a crossroads here. On one side, the bone chamber. On the other, the bioluminescent mushrooms. If they continue past the mushrooms and all the dangers those uh, present, they'll find another chamber. Down here, yet another chamber of bones. Here, though, we can put a fully intact skeleton. Perhaps even one that has not fully decomposed. Here we find the greatest evidence of the adventurers who came into this cavern before ours. Now, here is where we can give some little hints to our players if they choose to investigate. Perhaps there are some gnaw marks on the bones. Or perhaps the, the body, the carcass, is completely untouched. Perhaps this skeleton uh, is not a skeleton at all, but the fully petrified body of a previous adventurer. Now we can place a monster such as a basilisk, something that turns its victims into stone and saves them for later. Here would be a great opportunity if anyone in the party has the ability to remove a stone skin-like curse or a petrify curse. You now have a NPC, non-playable character, to deliver some story elements and reveal to the players what's actually happening in this cave. Now beyond this chamber, the players will find a corridor that leads back to those original two passages that they might have overlooked at the entrance of the cave. They can see an alternative route that would have led them away from that body of water and our predatory submerged creature. Above that passage, we leave some deep claw marks in the ground. There is something else in this cavern other than the creature in the water. There is something vying for control of this space and apparently collecting bones in far corners of the cave. Now beyond these deep scratches, we find another body of water, but this one is where our waterfall is located. 
as the players might be traumatized already from our first body of water, this one we will leave blissfully empty of any foul creatures. In fact, this water is crystal clear. And as we say, the, we can even line crystals, uh, mineral deposits along the bottom, along the floor of this water. This beautiful shimmering effect might even be an opportunity for a magical healing effect in these waters, especially if our party is composed uh, where they do not have a dedicated healer. This would be a great opportunity as a GM to give your players a little bit of a break, but only a little bit, because as they traverse the water and they find that they can walk in this area up to their chest, depending on how tall our players are, they do find another chamber. Yes, there are more bones here, but there is also the thick exposed roots of a tree, a very large tree. In fact, the trunk of this tree is even here in this chamber and rises up into the ceiling. Whatever that tree is up above ground, it must be massive. Perhaps the player saw it before coming to this cave. And here at the base of this tree, we see more bioluminescent mushrooms. It's all seemingly connected. Here we find a more complete journal or some sort of account from a previous adventurer. This tree could also have magical effects. Perhaps this tree is the source of those magical healing effects, not the crystals. And removing some of the bark of this tree, taking just a bit of it, might provide some magical bonus. Now, if the players take too much, the tree may die, especially down here at its roots. Coming out of the water and from that last chamber, we enter into another large area. There's a central pillar that divides these passages and, and we see more deep claw marks in the ground. The players are getting close. Our land-dwelling beast of this cavern is close. Up ahead, we see the largest collections of bones yet, but we also see other refuse uh, built into a nest of sorts. Now, this would be a good opportunity for something like an owl bear, but any monster that may make its home underground, this is its central lair, its resting area. Now, do the players find the monster there? Do they surprise it? Is the monster lying in wait? That's up to you, dear game master. For some suggestions, as I mentioned, the owl bear is nice. A basilisk would make sense, finding our petrified NPC earlier. A vicious troll would also be a grand adversary in a situation such as this. Playing in an underground space gives us an opportunity with the monster's voice to be echoing off the walls. Perhaps the monster is blind and uses echolocation and our players must take extra care where they place their steps. Whatever the case may be, here with this cavern, we've given our players a tight and focused area to explore. 
there are corridors that will shuffle them along. However, if they're paying attention, they do have the opportunity to explore alternate paths. Now, as a game master, we never want to punish our players, but we always want to provide them opportunities to reward their initiative for exploration, which is at the heart of most tabletop role-playing games, and also an opportunity to be ruefully regretful of their own impatience in rushing ahead and not checking their surroundings. However we decide to lay this cavern out, a key to the exploration factor is wherever our players begin at the entrance, wherever they go from that entrance, all of the little features grow. A small puddle or even a drip at the entrance then turns into a large underground body of water, perhaps fed from a river above, a lake, or an aquifer below. Our moss grows larger and larger the closer it gets to this body of water. The mushrooms start out seemingly normal mushrooms, and as they venture further into the cavern, the magical effect, the bioluminescence, the dangerous aspects, everything should be tipping our players off to what they are going to experience later. It always gives them an opportunity to prepare. Now, as far as the monsters are concerned, small scratches in the beginning, perhaps clicking noises in the, in the distance, perhaps an odd rumble or intake of breath that they may at first take for the wind coming through some small crack in the ground, but is in fact the breathing of the creature. As a game master, when designing a dungeon, it's always good to play little tiny hints for later payoff. Gives the opportunity for the players to prepare but also a very fun moment when they realize what they overlooked. Now, I think we have our cavern set. We're gonna dive into this one ourselves as adventurers and see what it might feel like to explore this mysterious cave. So come along and don't forget your bewitching beverage and splendid snack, cause every adventurer needs their calories and coziness. The entrance to the cavern is wide enough to accommodate all of us. Damp moss underfoot creates a carpet exuding a pleasant aroma. As inviting as the moss looks to be made into bedding, the passage ahead seems dark, tight, and twisting. There'll be no easy sleep down here. The ceiling of the cavern is uneven and amorphous. Stalactites, or stalagmites, not one of us can ever remember which is which, reach down from that shadowed dome as if to scrape our heads as we pass. No doubt there are bat roosts up there, unless, of course, there's something bigger, something with meat in its diet. We keep as wide a berth as possible from both stalagmite and stalactite, having some knowledge of camouflage predators found in caves. Perhaps we should have been more wary of the water. It laps at our boots as it spreads from some underground source. We'll need to traverse it if we want to continue forward. The more dexterous of us take to the walls. There's even talk of lassoing a rock perch and swinging across. In the end, though, swimming seems to be the way to go. Seemed to be, but as we find out, in actuality a terrible decision. 
We deal with the beast by proving we are not an easy meal, but it is still a close thing. Wringing the water from our clothes and equipment, we find carved steps awaiting us. Interesting, this place must have been inhabited by industrious creatures, perhaps folk like us. The passage ahead widens and is illuminated by bioluminescent fungus. The mushroom stalks are taller here, the caps wider, some even rising above our heads. One should always use caution around fungus, as we are reminded when one of us gets too close and the mushroom expels a cloud of discombobulating spores. After some confusing length of time, our senses return to calibration and we're faced with a chamber of this cavern filled with bones. There are weapons in that pile, and perhaps a shield as well. Someone finds a notebook, but the language is one none of us understands. There's even a statue of a warrior lying up against the cave wall. There's talk of petrification, but none of us have the ability to reverse such a condition. Pity that. Might have been an interesting conversation. Moving further in, we find twin passages leading back to the entrance. We curse ourselves for not investigating the area more thoroughly. We could have avoided that dark water filled with teeth and tentacles. Beyond this area, we find the waterfall. Unlike the first body of water, this seems to come from above. The water is clear and illuminated by mineral crystals growing along the bottom. Dipping into this water, we find our hurts and pains stripped away. The water has healing properties. There are tree roots submerged in the water here, and they lead to a massive trunk growing straight through the rock into the world above. Perhaps it is a tree that holds the healing properties. We take a small shaving of bark for study later, and thank this mysterious tree for its blessing, just in case. From here, we can see a final passage. The cave rounds out up ahead, and amongst the bones littering this corner such as before, we also spy gathered moss and branches and mud. There's a nest in there. We've seen deep channels cut into the rock as we've explored, and now the puzzle pieces snap together. They were claw marks, and they belong to the builder of this nest. Well, there you have it, folks. A mysterious cave you can throw into your own TTRPG campaigns. Thank you so much for coming along with me today, and I can't wait for our next Dungeon Dive on another episode of Delightful Dungeon Diving. everyone here so no one else has to. <laughs> <laughs>